Well, today is a new day. We're concluding our series that we're calling New Thing, a Heartland Manifesto. And we called it that because we've been declaring together for eight weeks who we are, that irreducible heart of Heartland and why we're here. Things like our vision and mission and strategy. And today we're going to conclude where we began by just looking at what it means to make Jesus first to make Jesus first, the way we talk about how that looks, what that looks like, the marks of how that's lived out individually and collectively is simply this, that we become a people who are loving, learning, and leading like Jesus. And so today is sort of a two-parter. This morning, we're talking about what that looks like for you individually to love, learn, and lead like Jesus. And we'd love to invite you back tonight at 7 p.m. on-site and online where, we're, where we will share what that looks like for us collectively, where we're going as a church for the next three to six months and beyond as we gather together, making space to build relationships that make Jesus first. And as we do, the people around us in our church, in our homes, in our communities, in our lives will grow in loving and learning and leading like Jesus so if you've not already signed up, we'd love to have you join tonight. You can sign up online. Uh, you can show up in your PJs at home or here on site. But it'll be an important evening for all of us who call Heartland home. So love to invite you to join us. Um, well, as I've been thinking about some of those early experiences of that adventure of faith, I've had a chance to, to share some of those over the course of the series, and the one that, that I just can't get out of my mind was my senior year of high school. Here's a senior pick for your viewing pleasure. I've always been boyishly handsome, as you can, and as you can clearly see. Um, but this is a man, a young man who has life figured out. I knew that I was going to graduate, I was going to go to KU, I was going to study education, I was gonna be a young life leader and I was gonna come back and lead at Blue Valley, my high school back in the day. And so I had, uh, I had my FAFSA and my room assignment and had scholarships, all of that done in January. And the icing on the cake was I had the University of Kansas window decal in the window of my 81 Toyota Corolla because I was set, I knew the plans that I had, and I was certain that God wanted to bless the plans I had for my life. Well, as things often happen, second semester of senior year didn't go as I expected. Uh, my young life leader wound up transitioning off of staff. I wanted to room with a buddy named Isaac, and he wanted to go to K-State. And I'm like, what good can come from K-State? Uh, that's where I, there's been a redemption story. We'll talk about that tonight. Um, but I had it said, I was like, no, we, I am going to KU, you can come with me if you want. Well, over time, I just wondered if God maybe had a different plan than I had for myself. And so Isaac, finally, I caved in, he's like, let's just take a road trip to Manhattan, check it out. It's April of senior year. And so we go, and the whole time he's like, get rid of that KU window decal, like we'll be tarred and feathered. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. But we show up, and it was a fantastic weekend. Showed up at the Vatier house at 11 a.m. And the night before, the people living in this house had been in a band and they had this great show and they're all waking up and I was like hanging with the band and then went to Rockabilly for lunch and then toured campus and, and had an ichthus function that night. I got to stay in Haymaker Hall and like it was just this sense of 
this is the type of community and the type of people I want to be around. And I made the decision. I was not going to go to KU. I was going to go to K-State. And so I got up super early that morning, went to Varney's bookstore, and bought a Kansas State University window decal. And while everyone was asleep, I chipped it off of my window and replaced the KU with K-State. Now, KU fans, you know, there's a redemption story here as well. Come back tonight. But that wasn't just a transfer from one school to another, and it certainly wasn't taking off one bumper sticker and putting on another. For me, I had plans for my life, and they were good. But God had something different, better. I didn't know what it looked like, but it was a step of faith. It was a risk, and it paid off because that was sort of the beginning of me, out of my love for God and others, learning what it was like to follow Jesus and to make him first in everything. Hartwin, you and I individually and collectively have the invitation and opportunity today to make Jesus first, to grow to be men, women, and children, teenagers, all of the above, that are learning to love and lead like Jesus. Love, learn, and lead like Jesus. And so today, we're going to focus personally on you, you and God. What can you do? What can I do? to take hold of that Jesus first life. And then tonight we'll rally together and share about what that looks like for us as a community. Sound good? I want to welcome up my friend, Michelle Pemberton, who's going to share with us what it looks like for you and I to live out that Jesus first life. Well, the very first time I saw Sadie, she was in this corner and she had made herself as small as possible. And you guys, she was shaking with fear. And I was adopting, Sadie is a Sheltie, and I was adopting her from Kansas City Sheltie Rescue. And this is what she looked like in that little corner, this little 15 pounds of, of terror. She was so afraid and, and you guys, um, it's sort of the no-dud. Dogs don't talk, so they can't tell you their story. Um, but here's what I pieced together about Sadie's story. She was raised by terrible breeders who really just wanted the 1500 bucks they could get for each puppy that she delivered them. She had never been socialized with people. She was terrified of people. She um, had never been around dogs. She was probably in a kennel 24-7, um, that was it. And she was filthy, you guys. She stunk so, so bad. And so she was not living her best dog life at all. She was so shut down and afraid. And so I bring her home, and, and I have three new things that I do with her every day. Like, these are our practices. The first one is in the morning. We get up. I'm, I love my time in the morning. And I, I pick her up, and I put her on the couch next to me. And... Um, she couldn't jump down, you guys, so she was, she was stuck there with me. But what she learned, I would pet her, I would scratch her ears, and she was like, dude, humans, maybe not as bad as I thought. They do have a purpose here. And so that was one of the things that, that we took hold of. And then, at, and then at night, we would lay in bed, and she loved 
um, food. She was very treat motivated. So we'd have popcorn. It was a special treat while we watched movies. And I gradually wore her down. She got comfortable with me, but she was still afraid of every other person. So whenever anybody came to my house, I, ha I still have by the front door a thing of Cheerios. Cheerios, my friends, are the best dog treat because one, they're cheap, and two, they don't make your hands smell. And so everybody came in my house, they knew you had to take some Cheerios, you had to go over to Sadie in her corner and give them to her. And those were our three practices. I wish you could have seen over time. She came to me not barking for six months. Her tail was between her legs. She was just petrified, not living her best life. And over time, I would say the power of love and Cheerios, this dog changed. She, it was amazing. She became, she became this little diva that ran my house. She would bark at me if there was something she needed, like it, she knew when it was time for breakfast or dinner. When her water bowl got low, she would bark at me. She learned how to play with other dogs, you guys. She, I love my friend Jim and Brenda. They have collies who are like 60-pound dogs. She could literally run underneath them, and she would play that with them. And I think we have some pictures of, like, she's just a different dog, you guys. She's not hiding in the corner. She's, she owns this bed. And then here she is, she, when she was with my friend, she always claimed the biggest dog bed. She would not share that dog bed with the collies. She was transformed. And I got to tell you that Sadie's transformation is a picture of what God wants to do in each of us. So much more. For us to fully live into our identity, for us to fully flourish, for us to live our very best lives for who he created us to be. And it's this transformation process of growing and how we love and learn and lead like Jesus every day. And maybe you can relate to Sadie a little bit in terms of being shut down. Are there places when you're in your life where you're thinking, oh, dude, I, I'm not living my very best life. I'm not flourishing. Maybe it's in your relationships. Your relationships with other people are just not what you want. Maybe it's your relationship with yourself, like your insecurity or your anxiety or depression or your sense of purpose about life. Or maybe it's your relationship with God that God just seems really far away and distant to you. And I want to, today, I want you to be thinking about, for the rest of this message, what is one thing that you could take hold of to love and learn and lead like Jesus? One thing. And God is speaking all the time, you guys. How is he nudging you as we talk? And we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 5, which is one of my favorite passages. Paul speaks about this transformation, which is this process. Here's the good news. It's not just pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps. It's initiated and um, driven by the Holy Spirit. It's Holy Spirit energy that forms and changes us. And is this inner transformation. The bad news is it's not just a one, one and done event. It's a lifelong transformation we have to engage in. So here's how Paul describes it to the Corinth church. Our firm decision is to work from this focus centered. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could be included in his life a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. 
I love that, a resurrected life. And a resurrected life starts with salvation. Um, I serve in Heartland Kids, and here's how we talk about salvation with kids. You can make Jesus your forever friend. You can do that. Three simple steps. One, thank you. Thank you for all you've done, God. You sent Jesus to die for me and for everyone, so thank you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for how I missed the mark, how I sinned against you and others. And please, please, I want a relationship with you. I want to be, I want you to be my forever friend. And so we have that first event of salvation, but then the rest of our lives, we have the opportunity for a resurrected life, a new life, where we are transformed to love and to learn and to lead like Jesus. We are transformed by God's love. Just like Sadie was transformed by my love. So let's go back to the text. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once, and he got it, we got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside, and what we see is that anyone who's united with the Messiah, who's united with Jesus, gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone, and a new life burgeons. That's quite a word, burgeons, not a word I use all the time. And this passage right here tells us about you know what? Transformation is an inside job. It's not the outside things. It's not your title, what you own, what you drive, what's in your bank account, what job you do, who you're married with. It's an inside job. And it's not a quick fix. And the call is to focus on ourselves. I know I can spend a lot of my days focused on how other, I want other people to be different, but I can't control those guys. But I can control me. And sometimes that makes all the difference in the world. And we have the opportunity, you guys, to choose things, to choose practices where we can be transformed daily, just like Sadie was. So let's go back to the text. All this comes from God, who settled the relationship between us and him, and then called us to settle our relationship with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God gave us the task of telling everyone what he's doing, and we are Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and to enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now, you and I, you guys, we're speaking for Christ. Become friends with God. He is already a friend with you. And so this, if you're a Christ follower, this is an important responsibility. We represent Jesus wherever we go. To our family members, to our coworkers, to our friends, to the people we're in school with, to our neighbors, to the folks you're sitting on the couch with right now, and I hope some dogs are with you. But everybody... For those who, who think differently than we do, for those who are going to vote the same or vote differently, we're called to represent him. For those who we enjoy and those who irritate us, for those who have the same color of skin as we do and those who have different colors of skin. 
As Christ's followers, we are his representative in the world. We are his plan. And as we interact with people, I love this quote by Gerald Johnson. And it's in a book called The Trinity. I believe that the quality of one's life is greatly impacted by the quality of our relationships. Jesus focused on righteousness or right relationships. Have you ever wondered what that righteousness word means? It just means right relationships. He came to reconcile us to the Father, and he came to reconcile us to each other and to ourselves. Nothing grieves the triune God more than people who will not work on relationships. And so I want to share with you three practices, three relational practices uh, that have inspired me recently about loving, learning, and leading like Jesus. And I want you to be thinking maybe one of these or maybe something else is something that you could take hold of and it's a new thing that you want to do. So in terms of loving like Jesus, I want to tell you about this interaction I got to observe between Nanette and Britton, both Heartland leaders. And Britton said to Nanette, hey, in my excitement, I rushed in and I realized later I wasn't respectful of all the work you've done in this area. I'm sorry, I was wrong, and I regret that. Man, she was just so simple and concise. I'm sorry I was wrong, and I regret that. And here's what blew my mind is what Nanette said. No worries. I didn't make up a story about why you did that. It is an important practice, you guys, of not making up stories about what somebody else is doing and why they're doing it. Not assuming motive. We want to think the best of others. I have to tell you recently I did this different. A coworker gave me some feedback. And afterwards, I, these are my thoughts. She thinks I'm lame. She doesn't like me. She doesn't respect me. None of those things I can know because I, I'm just making up that story in my head. And when we assume motives about other people, you guys, it is destructive to us personally, but also in our relationships. And we can do this with God. We can say, I lost my job, and I lost my job because God is disappointed in me, and he's trying to teach me a lesson. Well, we don't, we don't know that. And here's the truth. We just can't know another person's motives unless they tell us. And so the practices practice I've been doing, the new thing I've been doing in the morning is think about, okay, who are the people, God, that I'm going to interact with today? And what are untrue motives that I'm assuming? Could I, Lord, could you partner with me? And could I assume the best about the people I interact with today? It's been super helpful. And so maybe today you're feeling nudged that you want, that you want to assume the best about others and not assume motives. The next thing is learning like Jesus. Um, this summer, three Heartlanders and I began meeting and praying and talking about racial inequity and racial reconciliation. And we, we just recently invited some more people into that group and we started a Be the Bridge group by Latasha Morrison. And she talks about pursuing God's heart for racial reconciliation. I highly recommend this resource. You guys, there's a lot of pain and suffering in our world right now, but especially and uniquely and profoundly for people of color. 
And one of the life-changing practices I'm learning from this group of folks is empathetic listening, that the Holy Spirit can work with us to really listen to a person's story. And empathy means to really understand and feel what the other person is experiencing. This, this means you don't interrupt them with questions or you don't get defensive, but you really let them share their concerns, their emotions, all of it. And it's painful. And it's to have a curious posture of, tell me more. Instead, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm just waiting for my opportunity to speak. But empathetic listening is really listening to their story. Danielle Strickland says this, empathy is the vessel of hope. And I want you to think about who are the people in your world who need your empathy, who need your hope, who need you to listen. And maybe your new thing is empathetic listening. The last thing is leading like Jesus, and that involves leading ourselves well. Murray Bowen says this, there is an adult and an infant inside all of us, but the infant doesn't have to run the show. Think about kids, you guys. They are driven by emotions, aren't they? Um, if they don't get what they want, they have a temper tantrum. They lose it. You do not have to teach children these words. No, um, mine. You do have to teach them how to share. It does not come naturally. And I think we all have an infant within us that, that wants to take a hold and run the show. Here's how that shows up for me. I want to shoot from the hip when I'm talking. Instead of thinking, I want to, maybe I want to gossip about people instead of talking directly to that, that person. I have to tell you that God is challenging me to practice using my voice with both honor and honesty. And here's one way he's doing that. I have a list of scriptures that I'm, I'm really leaning into each day. The first one is from Psalm 15.3, and I just review these at different times in the day when I feel like that infant's going to take over. They refuse to slander or insult others. They never listen to gossip or rumors, and listen to this, nor would they ever harm another with their words. Think about how our world would change if we never harmed one another with our words. The next one is be quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to get angry. And these are ones that I'm committing to memory and I'm, I'm reading and thinking about throughout the day. And this is hard work, you guys, to, to speak with honor and honesty. The honesty part is harder for me. I'm better at the honor, like being honest when things get hard, like, hey, that didn't work for me. Could we do it differently? But how are you, maybe yesterday you can think about where did you speak with honor and honesty with others? And maybe where did you speak with dishonor or dishonesty? Think about how our places would be changed, our homes, our neighborhoods, our cars, our workplaces, our schools. It would be transformed if we would partner with the Holy Spirit to speak calmly and thoughtfully, to speak with honor and honesty. We're not gonna do this perfectly, but the Holy Spirit can guide us in this work. So what's your new practice today? What's your new thing? Maybe it's something that God nudged you as we're talking, or maybe it's one of the things that I shared. Maybe it's for you, you need to assume the best, and maybe there's one person that came to mind when I said that, that you're assuming motives about. 
Invite Jesus into that. Maybe you need to empathetically listen to someone. And maybe you had a face pop up for that. You knew exactly who you need to really listen to. Or maybe it's using your voice with honor and honesty. That's going to be your new thing is really, really working on that. And here's the great news, you guys. You, you and I don't have to do this. We can't be transformed. We cannot love, learn, and lead like Jesus on our own. But the good news is we have the Holy Spirit who is our advocate and our guide, and he actually gives us the energy to be transformed daily, to love and learn and lead more like Jesus every day. Sadie was not living her very best life, but transformation was possible for her because of the power of love and new things, new practices, and of course, Cheerios. It's so much, we are so much more than dogs, okay? You guys, like that's the no duh. Like so much more is available to us than was available to Sadie. Like we can talk. Um, you and I can be transformed in the places where we're not living our best life. He has a, God has a new thing that he wants to do in you and in me. So what new thing will you take hold of today? To love, to learn, and to lead like Jesus. Would you pray with me? Oh, Heavenly Father, thanks that we don't have to do this alone. Thanks that you've given us, no matter where we are in faith journey, the Holy Spirit, who guides and nudges and gives us the energy to do this. And I just want to say for me, and I want for us as a people, we want to be, be more like you, Two months from now, we want to love, learn, and lead more like you than we are today. And so we need your help. God, we need your help. We need your energy. And Father, just show each of us what's that one new thing that we could do to love and learn and lead like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, better. Today is an opportunity and it's an invitation that we would live that Jesus first life, that we could step away from some old things and step into the new. And it's nothing short of a life transformed and changed by Jesus. Every morning about 6 a.m. I get a text um, like update and it's from three men, one of whom represents for me that change from a life far from flourishing God, in God, to a fully flourishing life that Michelle talked about. It's my buddy Paul. My buddy Paul had some trauma um, kind of growing up in, in his relational world. And, and that compounded and eventually it resulted in a failed marriage and found himself in a difficult spot and kind of gave up on God at that point. He didn't have faith in his family. And, um, but he had ways of living that, that worked out pretty well until they didn't. And that's when he wound up at Heartland when a gal he was dating invited him here. And, and over time, um, 
as that relationship didn't pan out how he wanted, and that left him in a really difficult spot, an amazing transformation happened where he was willing to let go of a lot of things to embrace the new life God had for him. And so I think about that. I saw his journey of loving God and loving others and loving the furthest out. That happened in him through that time. As he grew to learn, he dived into the scriptures. He learned to pray. He invested in community. This text group is a result of that, where daily, before I even wake up, he's in the scriptures. He's sharing insights. And he is leading like Jesus in the workplace. He's going back to school to get a counseling degree. He's one of our interns here. I even got to write a letter of recommendation for a new leadership position that he's taking part of as he follows Jesus. See, that's possible wherever you're at, your highs or your lows, that's possible when you and I have the courage to step out and to take hold of that Jesus-first life. Elsewhere, the Apostle Paul in scriptures says, I press on to take hold of that life for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. See, we have this partnership, we have this opportunity, we have this invitation where we can take hold of what Jesus has for us, but so often to take hold of that, we've got to let go. We've got to let go of some old things, some old patterns, some old habits, our plans as well laid as they are. We've got to let go so we can take hold of that life Jesus has for us. And so the question for you and I today is what's the one thing we can do to take hold of that Jesus first life? And so we have a way we want to mark the end of our series. I didn't bring one up with me, but we have these new window decals. <laughs> they look a lot like the blue ones we've had around here for years, but we've turned the color to green to represent the new thing God's doing. Today we're focused on us, you and I individually. Tonight we'll focus on our church community. But on your way out in this room, back by each door, grab one of those bumper stickers, just one per person. Put it in a prominent place on your, your window or you know, above the kitchen sink or in your Bible or journal or a book you're reading or maybe even on your car. And remember, you have the opportunity to let go of some old things so that you can embrace the new things that God wants to do in you. And we'd love to know what that looks like for you personally. And so if you're online, um, in your chat, there's a link that will take us to the sense of uh, a page where you can say, hey, I'm all in. I'm going to take hold of the Jesus first life in this way. And we're going to mail you a window decal so that you can participate as well. This is an all play because Jesus has a life for you. And that's what we want for you. And yes, we believe God's doing something in our midst. and It will take all of us to get there. He wants to do a new thing collectively, but that begins with him doing his new work in you. And so as we conclude with a portion of that song, God is on the move, I just love that image. It looked like a desert, but it's the garden of God. God wants to meet you where you're at. So take about 60 seconds 
think and pray, what's that one thing that you're gonna embrace to be all in, to putting Jesus first today, this week, this month, and this year? Let us know about it by going online, telling us. And we look forward to coming back tonight to sharing what that looks like together.